Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman and wow, we're in season two and it's so great to come to you. Ah, eek. I am so excited about this guest today. Everyone just get ready, buckle up, because we have not only a learning experience here and an education piece, we have a fabulous woman here in the studio with me, wife, mother, grandmother, and the longest serving mayor of our Fort Worth. So everyone meet the honorable former mayor, Betsy Price. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. And I always say howdy, y'all. This <laughs> is right. Cowtown, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you so much for coming today because I know you are about to get much busier. I caught you maybe at the right time. You did catch me at a great time. I, I did. Okay. So let's set the record, everyone. Fort Worth is about 200 years old. Is that yeah, right? Roughly. Uh-huh. Roughly yeah. 200 mm-hmm. years old. Okay. Out of all of the mayors, there's only been three now. All women. right. Uh huh. Three women. Kay Granger during the 70s? 80s. 80s. 90s. 90s. Okay. 90s. 90s. Okay. Oh, you know, I was thinking about someone else. Cliff Overcast during the 70s. Cliff <laughs> was 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Short stint. And then, um, and then, of course, you, the longest serving 10 plus years. And now we have Maddie. That's wonderful. I know. It's nice okay. to see young women stepping up and doing this also. And she's in her 30s. She's 37. I mean, you know, to take on that role. It's a huge responsibility. Maddie was my chief of staff for five years, and she is smart as they come. Quick, smart. She has little children, and we talked about this before she filed a run. Could she do it? Because it's different being chief of staff than it is being mayor. But I knew if anybody could do it, Maddie could. Wow. And she and David committed to do it, and I'm really proud of them. So, Betsy, when did you decide? I know you had a successful business as for 17 plus years, mm-hmm. you and your husband, and then you ran for county tax assessor, correct? In 2000. In 2000, yeah. because why? You know, I had run a business called Price Cornelius Title Service, and it wasn't land title. It was a niche business. I did title and licensing and property tax work for about 50 plus of the car dealers in town. And that office was terrible. And I kept saying to all my clients, you know, that office is so poorly run. We're losing money. It's tax dollars. The average wait time in the tax office was probably 38 minutes just for the average person walking in. And sometimes longer than that for a dealer's work, it was hours, if Mm. not days, to get Mm -mm. their stuff done. And I just kept saying, somebody needs to fix it. And finally, a couple of my friends that were dealers said, well, why not you? If somebody needs to fix it, why not you? Whoops. And I went, whoops. And I said, look, you've always been done a great job with this business. You've always been committed to the community. I mean, you've done PTA, you've done Sunday school, you've done Cub Scouts, Junior League, Junior Women's Club, a little bit of everything. And they said, you got the perfect background. You're Mm -hmm. committed to service. And that's about the service. And I went home and said, Tom, what do you think? And he said, why not? Wow. Really? And I thought, oh, my. Oh, wait. I didn't. I was hoping you'd fight me a yeah. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids were, you know, a little bit bigger. I mean, uh-huh. They were one in high school, one in starting middle school, and right. one, one just out of college. Were you in your 40s? Was that? 50. 50. Just okay. turned 50 when I was elected. Okay. So your 50s. And, you know, I look at Maddie with the kid, with mm-hmm. children and a career, obviously, a huge career, attorney, how you have the time. And a lot of people I hear... I want to do to go into politics. And there was a phase of my life, actually, right before I did this, I thought, you know what? Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe that's my calling. But I, I went another direction. But I do know that we have 
women and men that choose not to serve, and that's why. Yeah, we do, and it because it is a it's a demanding job. It's a demanding commitment to your community. It's demanding on your family. It's the mayor's office is non-paid. The mayor's office is twenty nine thousand a year. My husband always laughed and said it, pay, it doesn't pay your dry cleaning bill. No, no. Fortunately, the tax assessor's office paid. Wow. Um, it, it's an administrative job, so it paid a decent salary. Right. Not bad, but I think a lot of people are hampered by that because they still have to do child care. They have to do, you know, babysitters for weekends and nights. Mm-hmm. But you just have to figure out how badly do you want to serve and can you work it? I know Maddie doesn't work near as many nights as I did. But by the time I was mayor, it was just Tom and I. And I was really committed to be out and engaged in the entire community. Of course, she's committed to that too. But she just has to limit her time. She's Mm -hmm. better at saying no than I was. Really? So you have to figure out how to say no, but I don't know how to say no. So I don't have to say no to anything. Anything. <laughs> but if you, but if we don't get younger people engaged in this, then mm-hmm. they're missing the whole boat. Mm-hmm. And politics becomes what you begin to see in Washington. Just yes. divisive where they're getting nothing done. Nothing. And every decision that impacts your life as a young family or a young woman is going to be there for the next 20 or 30 years. And it's being made by somebody that's older. That's true. And nothing is better than to have a broad spectrum, a very diverse spectrum of ages and uh, ethnicity, sexual, you know, whatever, when you're making decisions. You need input from everyone. Every walk of life. Absolutely. So you were there 10 years, and I do know, I, I did tell Betsy before, I was doing all this research, cramming over the weekend to learn more about local politics. And my husband, Greg, which um, Betsy knows, he said, what are you doing? You have the best teacher in the world coming in your studio and just ask for help. And so here I am. But I did learn that the term of mayor is two years. That's is that correct? correct? Mm-hmm. So that it's was two five terms for yeah, it's you. Five terms. Five times I was elected. And, you, and three times as tax assessor because it's a four-year term. So wow. I've, I've done eight elections. You have done a lot of serving <laughs> and still serving because... You are now running for county judge. Oh my Tarrant gosh! County, and and people always say, "But you're not an attorney." The county judge is not a judicial judgeship; it's an administrative judgeship. People should think about county judge judge in terms of thinking similar to being the mayor, only it covers the whole county. Wow! Okay. Now, in small Texas counties, they are judicial. They can do all kinds of things. And technically in Tarrant County, they could, but they don't because we have great court system here. We're big enough to have a big court system. A good court system. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's great. Okay, good to know. You do not have to be an attorney. That's correct. I know. And and for some reason, I mean, that's that's where the mind goes. Okay, if you're a judge, obviously, but no, it's a different, totally it's different. Just, it's really just not, I mean, judge is just a title. I hear you. So let me ask you a personal question, if you don't mind. Sure. If you can tell us, I know being in a position for 10 years, why did you leave? You know, I just came to the realization I've never done anything that I wasn't passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I served as tax assessor for 10 and a half years. I loved it. I got that office in shape, was recognized nationally. Uh, And people started coming to me and saying, run for mayor. 
Moncrief's going to retire, run for mayor, and get the city in, in good shape. And I kept saying, no, that's a different beast altogether. That's a, The mayor's job's a 24-7, 365. It really is. And it's much more public than the mm. tax assessor or even literally than the county judge. But So after 10 years of doing it, and I've always put my full passion in everything I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked on average, 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week. And I tried to take Sundays off, but invariably we'd be at church, at somebody's guest at, at one of the churches or mm-hmm. something. Then Sunday afternoons were family time. Right. But you can just, it's just a lot. And I made the decision that I had come to the point where I, th- I thought that somebody else with fresh eyes needed to come in and look at it. And when it becomes, when things start to begin to irritate you a little bit, it's time to take a breather or time to ch- turn. You've done that, Tiffany, and mm-hmm. turned your clock in a different direction. 100%. I wanted a chance to go home and spend some time with my grandchildren, and I've done that. I've now had a couple, three months um, kind of down. And But then I really realized, somebody said, I thought you were going to retire and go home and mm-hmm. play with your grandkids and ride your bike. And I mm-hmm. said, I did, but I came to the realization that I still had a passion for service. Right. And for me, it's a calling. I, you know, I told you remember Gilbert Davis from mm-hmm. University Christian? Tiffany goes to church with yes. us. And uh, when I first ran for tax assessor, I went to see Gilbert Davis. And I said, Gilbert, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And he said, I think there's a door open for you and you're wow. being called and you need to step through it. Ugh. And I felt the same way about this run for county judge, even though it said I was going to retire. Mm-hmm. I thought, OK, I, there's still a calling here and there's still a mm-hmm. fire and passion for mm-hmm. me to do this. And Gilbert Davis talks. And Gilbert speaks. And you, Bobby uh, Cook. Remember Bobby yes. Cook? Both of the two of them said the exact same did thing they, to me. Really? Did anyone say, you can't do this? Oh, yeah. Did they? Early on, I went to see one of the premier political consultants okay. here in town, who was the leading one. And he said, you can't do this. You've not been involved in politics. Mm-hmm. You don't have the name ID. You don't have the ID in the parties for people to know you. And I said, you just need to sit back and watch. We will do this. <laughs> Don't say I can't That's do right. it. <laughs> Never tell it. me you can't mm-hmm. or I'll just do it. Yes. And so after I won, I said, he came to see me and he said, I've never seen such a grassroots organization. Oh. You had carpool mothers at the polling places say, you got to come in and vote for Betsy. You had mm-hmm. Cub Scout parents and mothers saying, we know Betsy, come vote for her. You had people from church mm-hmm. saying it. Just every walk of life, all the volunteer groups that you'd been involved in were out working for you. He said there were people in the carpool line at McLean with <laughs> vote for Betsy stickers on their car. Oh, and Pascal, and I was Pascal PTA president on the management team there, and he just said, I rest my case when I said yeah. you couldn't do this because clearly you did do this. Yes. Yeah. He was wrong. Because and it's continued true. to win. It's true, you mm-hmm. know. And and for those of you listening that are interested in in moving forward, I would suggest I mean, I was I was president of the cheer. I was on the PTA. I was on all these things. Now I'm not running for politics. I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but get involved. Get vol- involved. Volunteer, right? Right. One of the uh Things, one of the hallmarks of my administration was community involvement because you would be shocked at when you get to seven, eight, ten percent of your voters electing the officials, you're not getting a 
good look at who people really want to serve. Mm-hmm. And you get, you know, you get a handful of people showing up every week at council or sending you emails and things. People just have to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get what someone else wants put out there for you. Oh, yeah. And I said, I have to be out in the community listening to people because I want to hear from a broad spectrum. And people will talk to you and tell you all kinds of things, but you got to go where they are. And for part... Example- for example, your rolling town, town halls. halls. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I was actually at one of those. Oh my goodness! It was so They're great. They're so fun. She's on her bike, literally rolling town yeah. hall. Explain you know, to that. That the was the media so fun. laughed, and and they used to when I was first elected. They ran in the paper every week pictures of me in my spandex shorts and my tight, <laughs> you know, cycle tops. They just thought it was a hoot to see the mayor on a bike, and but people will tell you, I'm a big cyclist anyway. It always yes. have been. And people will tell you their real wants and desires for their community when you're not wearing a suit or you're not dressed up in high heels and intimidating Mm -hmm. them. If you've got on running clothes or walking clothes, they'll come right up to you and talk to you. They'll reach in their back pocket and produce a sweaty note in a 105 degree day and give Mm -hmm. it to you that's all about their streets and their sidewalks and their schools and what they want. And I just really found it a great way to engage people. And it was a great way to take people to communities they'd never seen. Absolutely. We rode all all over this great city, from Hillwood down to the edge of Crowley to through Stop 6 and Polly into Arlington, clear out to Walsh Ranch. And invariably, people would go, I've never been in this neighborhood. I didn't know it existed. I'm sure. This is really cool. I know. And we took them to the Southwestern Baptist Seminary one day, and more people said, we didn't even know this was down here. That is something. That is something. Took them to Texas Wesleyan, and they were like, well, we kind of knew Wesleyan was here, but we didn't know what it looked like. So it was really fun. Really? Kimball and all over. So, you know, because everybody doesn't cycle, we did walking ones Mm -hmm. also. We did coffee with the mayor. We were just out and about a lot. That's so great. And okay, so... Betsy is an avid cyclist. So when your son was You'd think little, I'd be thin, but I'm I, not. <laughs> she, she's a hottie. Try to <laughs> when your son was small, and I remember reading that you had logged five thousand miles in his little buggy <laughs> trailer, right? In yeah. his carrier. I mean, yeah, come I, on, y'all. Somebody said, when did you start cycling? I said, I've kind of always cycled. My brother is just 19 months older than me. And on our street, it was all boys and me. Mm-mm. And they all rode their bikes <laughs> and I rode with them. And then we kind of quit. And then for our one month anniversary, Tom bought bicycles for both of us. And we rode a little. And then Catherine and Paul came along, our two older children. And we didn't ride much till they got big enough. Then we started riding with them. And then seven years later, we had a swan song baby. We had Philip, who's seven years younger than Paul (laughs) and 10 years younger than Catherine. And so we were saying, what can we do with this baby that we can do with the older two kids. Wow. And so we just got a little burly trailer and popped him in it and rode with them. They quit, and I kept riding, kept and going. I find my, found my log, and I had taken him 5,000 miles in his trailer. Oh, my stars. Has anybody been 5,000 miles that's not on a plane or in a car? <laughs> I mean, seriously. That's I've a- probably been 35,000 miles at on bicycles <gasps> at this point. Isn't that great? We've that been is all famous. over. Oh, my gosh. And are you a street bike or a trail bike? I'm a road bike. Road bike. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. I have trail bike, but I prefer my road bike. I can imagine. And Tom's doing this? Tom does until recently he had knee surgery and he's anxious to get back on his bike. He'll be back before long. He'll be back. Okay, I'm going to turn this to the difference between, because 
Unfortunately, COVID is still amongst us. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And and Get I do vaccinated. Yes. And I want you to explain to how we're controlling it. And um during COVID, I had so many questions for you. And um because Sharice Henry at Pacific Table, 50%. Um, w- w- when you're talking federal, and help me out here, federal, state, and local, is that right? Okay. That's correct. Who decides where we go as the local level? Like what are decisions are made? Does the governor tell us this is what has to happen? Do you decide in the, in the now Maddie decide? How does this work? It can go. A wide variety of ways. But in a pandemic, which is an emergency, a health emergency management, the governor generally issues it. When we were all shut down the first time, the governor deferred to the mayors and the county judges and said, I will let, and that was before it got totally widespread statewide. I will let all of you, particularly because it was the big cities that were the hardest hit at that point, Mm -hmm. make the decision with the recommendation that you can't jeopardize your hospitals. The first and foremost that we had to keep in mind, remember, nobody knew anything about this. Nobody had been through a pandemic. Mm -mm. Nobody knew anything about this virus, including the experts. They really knew nothing about it. And certainly the governor didn't, nor did we or the county judge. And so Glenn Whitley, who's our county judge in Tarrant County, who's retiring, Mm -hmm. said, Let's get all the mayors around and talk about this and decide what we ought to do. And the uh, larger cities in the state and counties had already made the decision that they were going to shut down 100 percent. And Tarrant, being the more conservative county and the Fort Worth more conservative city, we waited until it became obvious that we couldn't, the hospitals wouldn't be able to function if they got too crowded. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you had a car wreck or other emergencies, Mm -hmm. you needed to be able to get care. Mm -hmm. So we had, and not knowing what, never having been through this, not knowing what was going to happen, the recommendations from the experts was to shut down because PPE, remember now they're plentiful, but remember there were not enough masks. No. There were not enough gowns. There was not enough hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. to do it. So the order was made from from the county judge to shut down, and then that ultimately followed with being lifted to 50%, 75% and all. Uh, And we followed with a directive from the city of Fort Worth Largely because Fort Worth is in four different counties, mm-hmm. and you do not want a city that's half of it, a quarter of it's doing something different from the rest of it. Right. So, I, because Tarrant County is the largest piece of Fort Worth, we had to issue our own directive to get Parker, Wise, uh, and Johnson and uh, Denton mm-hmm. in with us in line. In it was probably the hard, one of the hardest calls I've ever done. It was very hard for Glenn too, Whitley's county judge, mm-hmm. and the other mayors too. But we had, we didn't have vaccines. We didn't have adequate PPE. We didn't know, we didn't have monoclonal antibodies to treat this. All we knew was when you were exposed, you had to quarantine mm-hmm. and we had to keep our hospitals open. You know, and knowing so many people in different industries and food and beverage, especially for me being a chef, um, I just remember so many of them just saying, Betsy's the, she's the mayor of the people. She is the mayor of business, local, small business. And they knew you were doing the right thing. They trusted you. Yeah, they did. And I was very fortunate because we are about the people and Mm -hmm. we have been about business. I've always believed government isn't here to run your life. 
Mm-hmm. Government is here to assist with the things that you need to assist business in making your life better. And we met early on because the restaurants, the service industry, we knew they would be the hardest hit. Mm. And we met early on before we ever made the decision with the independent restaurateurs and um, any restaurateur that wanted to come. John Bunnell helped us organize it right. and just told them what was we thought was going to have to happen and got their input. And without exception, they were very supportive of it. Exactly. They had staff sick. They had. Oh. They didn't want the liability of jeopardizing people. They, And they quickly pivoted and came up with curbside delivery, oh. which has just been a blessing for everyone. <laughs> I've been shocked. And then when CARES dollars came down the from the feds, the CARES dollars, mm-hmm. we we put more money. My goal for that was that we would get that money back in the hands of small business. Right. Not for city, not for our budget, not for, I mean, we clearly had to use it for overtime for police and fire who are doing the testing and the vaccines now and things. But we wanted the bulk of it to go back to small business. Right. We put 34% of the dollars we received into the hands of small businesses quickly. The next largest city in the nation only put 18% oh of their dollars into small business. Really? That's phenomenal, phenomenal. amount. And Huge. we did it quickly. I'd be- like for it to have gone even quicker than it did, but we were able to get it in their hands uh, as we could. Thank goodness. What do you think about what's going on with a shortage of workers right now? It seems to be just just from my friend, different friends I know in my business having a difficult time. We were talking about that yesterday. I haven't been in a business for four or five months where they didn't have hiring signs up. Everybody's looking for help. There are just an awful lot of people that haven't returned to work. Mm-hmm. Maybe now that Children are mostly back in school, in classrooms. That will help. A lot of the federal dollars that came down, they were so there were so much there was so much money coming into people's hands right. that for many of these service people, it really did. They can make more money staying home. Mm-hmm. But now that's not the case necessarily. I think a lot of them have found other jobs. I understand Amazon has hired a huge, huge. number, huge number of people that were in the service industry mm-hmm. because. COVID disrupted everything and changed the way we shop and the way we do business. Mm -hmm. And so all the delivery services need more. I think it'll settle back down. Mm -hmm. I hope it will because it's it's really hard right now. So tough. I mean, I went through Starbucks this morning to get some tea. Not a coffee drinker. I'm that odd person that just drinks tea. (laughs) And they have a real shortage of uh, what they need to deliver Starbucks. And... The girl came to the window and said, uh, on the microphone, said, you'll have to bear with me. I'm the only one here today. So by rights, we ought to be closed. But she said, I just feel like people need their coffee. I know, you know. But it we, was very slow. There was, um, I was over on a Starbucks the other day going through the line and the line was so long, but there was a sign. It said, we are closed mm-hmm. because of staffing and mm-hmm. we'll try to open tomorrow at 5 a.m. And Oh, my gosh. Okay, so. I talked to one of our big restaurants here. It's one of our, well, it's Joe T's mm-hmm. recently. And I said, Joe, are you 100% back? And he said, I don't have the staff to be 100% back. Oh. Because they've been able to be back 100% sure. for a long time now. But he said, people think we're 100% but, and we're getting close. But he said, staff. we just don't have enough staff, just, both kitchen help and wait staff. People tend to think it's wait staff, but it's not all. It's, it's chefs too. and sous, sous chefs and everyone. Of course. You know, and. What and help me here because this stipend, this 
money you're getting is not going to last forever. It's mostly gone down. Okay. Yeah. The extra unemployment that was coming in, the governor issued a directive that the state of Texas would not take it any longer because mm-hmm. we had to get people back to work. Got to get people. There's been extra money coming in recently for child care. And hopefully that's a bit of a double-edged sword because the people I know that own child care centers said, we can't reopen because we don't have enough kids to help us meet our budget. Mm. And yet young mothers with young children are saying, we can't go back to work because our child care centers aren't open. There's a lot of work going on to try to coordinate that. And that piece is getting much, much better. Was the time during COVID, and this may be a really ignorant question, but the time last March of 2020, was that the most difficult time in politics you've ever lived? It was, it was very trying. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that it was probably the most difficult, but it was, it came close. It was tight. Because mainly because you just didn't know, Mm -hmm. because this was such an unknown that nobody had dealt with. Nobody ever wanted to shut down business. Nobody ever wanted to say you had to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And all of those were unknown. All of those were tools that were coming as recommendations from the medical industry Mm -hmm. and coming out of Washington and Austin. You just had to, because we had no vaccine and no way to treat it or anything, we just really had to try it and see. Yeah. Now, there are cities now that are, you know, still wanting to require masks, even though the governor said no. And there are counties that have done it that have taken them to to court. But I don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. I think we've reached the point with vaccines, with monoclonal treatments, the more better testing. You know, when this first started, you couldn't get tested. Mm -mm. If you could, it was took weeks to get tested Mm -hmm. in many cases. Now that's freed up. Mm -hmm. So I I don't don't look for that to happen around here again. Right. And what do you say to the population that's not vaccinated? (coughs) Excuse me. What do you say to? You know, this is America. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm -hmm. My water went down the wrong way. (laughs) Wrong. And you do have that freedom. Sure. But you need to think about yourself mm-hmm. and the people that you love. Right. Your parents and your 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 significant other yep. are in compromise. Absolutely. I did talk to my doctor about it. And, and, <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-huh. Um, some time ago about this. And um, my husband, Greg, he'll go through a wall. He's like, I mean, he just got the booster. <laughs> Dude, is it is it ready for you to have a booster? But um, she was saying, I asked her about it and she said, you know what? It's a choice, just like you said. It is a choice. And that's what we want in America is a choice. She said, but this (coughs) pandemic, this is the only way we know to control. Yes. We don't know anything. We don't have the research. We don't this, that, and the other. But that is the only way we know to control it right now. And that's what I would tell you. Anyway, your blood It's a little bit like wearing your seatbelt. Right. You know, I mean, people used to, years and years ago when Mm -hmm. I was young, say, I'm not going to wear a seatbelt. You know, Mm -hmm. it'll cause more damage. Well, now we don't think anything about it. Seatbelts are safe. As far as we know, the vaccines are safe. But what I would say to people is make an educated decision. Don't make your decision based on what you're reading on the internet. Mm-mm. No. Don't make it based on the fallacies that if you're young, you you know, it'll make you sterile or okay. any of that. Just call your doctor. 
Mm-hmm. You have, and if you don't have a doctor, call a public health clinic and get a hold of one of the doctors. Right, absolutely. And talk to them and listen to them and then make your decision. Make your decisions. And that's true. Sound bites and fake news is not the not way to get good. that, as we know. Mm-hmm. So, so, Betsy, have you ever, because I wonder if I could be there, because my feelings get hurt so quickly. I wear my feelings on my shoulder. Yesterday, I had posted something about my laundry detergent, and they said the color of my pajamas was off, and I got upset. So has that ever happened to you? And did you just grow a thick skin very quickly or? You know, I I don't know that you have to be thick skinned. You never really want to be truly thick skinned. You want to be sensitive to what people are saying, but you learn to know that there are people who support you and love you and agree with you. Then there are people who are criticizing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if, especially if you're on the internet or on shows like this or anything, there's Mm -hmm. always going to be somebody that doesn't agree. Mm -hmm. The trolls are out there and they're alive and well. And most of the time I just don't read that stuff. That's great. I mean, clearly, occasionally you get something like that and, and you go, yeah, that's probably not a very nice thing to say, but you just learned that. To, you just learn to accept it and to move on. And and some of the criticisms that you get, you have to stop and think, yeah, did I make the right decision mm-hmm. here? But I've always been a firm believer that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You mm-hmm. should listen twice as much as you talk <laughs> and then right. make your decisions from there. I love that. That is a good one. And I don't, you know, I don't make my decisions lightly and I don't mm-hmm. go back on my decisions unless right. I've really been educated that they weren't right. Absolutely. 1000%. So could you give us just a few minutes to help my followers that the demographics are 18 to about 42, 44. We have older and younger, but they are wanting education from my show. So can you tell us the difference between federal, state, and local in less than five minutes? But because you said when I when you walked in here, how important it is for me to understand local politics, right? Right. Po- local politics are the closest thing to your life of any politics. You can think about the federal feds are making big decisions that impact your overall security, potentially how the economy flows, long interstate roads, major policy decisions and funding them. The state is similar. They impact policy, but it's at your local level, whether it's school board, water district, the city or the county that is impacting. When you call 911, does a police officer come? When you get up in the morning to brush your teeth and turn the tap on, is there clean water? Is, are there good teachers in your children's school? Those are all local decisions. Do you have roads to drive on? Do you have sidewalks? Do you have potholes that are filled? Is your community safe and an inviting place to be? And are good jobs coming to your area or staying in your area? That's local politics. The feds don't do economic development. The state doesn't do economic development, but we do at the local level. And it's critical that people know that. And when I was first elected mayor, we looked at the voting percentages, and, and they were very slow, about 8 or 9% turnout to vote in municipal really? races. They turn out at the state federal level because there's so much press about it. Of course. They turn out a little more at the state level because there's a lot. But people just get busy and go, yeah, I love my city. My city's fine. They're doing great. 
they're doing great. I have water. Yeah, I have water. Policeman comes, fireman comes, wow. you know, code shows up. My streets are okay. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that you could jeopardize that by putting the wrong people in charge. Mm-hmm. And you, when I was elected, we looked at the demographics in that voting. Your group will appreciate this. Less than 1% of the voters were under the age of 40. Oh, my goodness. And I was <gasps> totally blown Shut. away. And I thought, we got to change this. Mm-hmm. And the first six months I was in office, we started a group called Steer Fort Worth. And they're now probably 350 strong. And the idea was to engage them in civic policy to get them to increase their voting participation. And we helped them along the first two or three years. Now they're their own 501c3. And they do different pods on service to the community and how elections work. And I'm proud to say that they have increased their voting numbers significantly. I mean, Maddie's a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. And several of them, Maddie's own council, uh, Michael Crane was in Steerfoot Worth, he's on council. There are two or three more serving in different areas that have come out of that Steerfoot Worth group. And I'm, I'm kind of like the mother hen. I'm very proud of them. Because if they learn, then they're going to touch more people between 18 and 40. Wow. And teach them about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just critically important. Mm-hmm. I know young people are really busy with jobs, mm-hmm. with children, with getting your marriages going, everything. But it doesn't take long to find out who's running for office. Get to know them, offer to help them, mm-hmm. and certainly go vote. And get involved. And get involved. And oh my goodness, <clears throat> the voting times are, I mean, it's so... <laughs> There's count- all this talk about voter election integrity and our elections are safe. Are I do they? believe that here. I, I I don't dispute there's issues in some areas possibly, but I feel good about ours. But this whole thing about disenfranchising voters, if you go through that bill that was passed, you can still vote. It's amazing the number of hours. You can vote early voting for two mm-hmm. weeks or better. You can vote Six hours on Sunday, seven hours on Sunday. The goal with Sunday is to not have you voting and skipping church, but allow you to maybe have your morning and get to church and then vote. I just don't feel like any of that is disenfranchising voters. I think if you really get into what that bill does, you'll realize that it doesn't, Mm -hmm. that it it just makes it even easier to vote. But it it helps guarantee voter integrity and election integrity. Well, before the city council... um, uh, the election, I had I had a woman on that was running for city council, and she educated us so very, very much. I had no idea about so many things, but she she reiterated exactly what you did. You know, the trash, the I mean, everything, the water. I mean, it just it's. I'm from a very very small town, and I do remember when I turned the tap on, it was brown water. Uh-huh. I mean, that's what I grew up with, yeah. and I'm still okay. But yeah. you know, yeah, but, it didn't damage you. But they've but. Some some of the people I went to high school with, I mean, I graduated with fourteen people, but I, I, they're in city local politics, uh-huh. and they've changed the water system. So I should know this. But well, in in small towns, people are always more engaged in their government than they are in right. large cities, because I do think in large cities people get a little detached from it, which is why I talked about earlier how often we were out in the community all the time. I thought it was critically important to reach people that had no idea who you were. Mm -hmm. I mean, I read to elementary kids two times a month religiously, 
And I would run into people who would say, you came read to my child's classroom. That made the biggest impact in the world. I was at the grocery store the other day, and this young man was checking, and he said, Mayor, you don't remember me, I'm sure, but you read to my third grade class, and I just graduated from high school this year. And he said, what "What you said made the biggest impact on me, and I know all my elected officials now. Oh, my goodness. And I just thought we all, all of us who are serving— owe the duty to our citizens to get out and connect with them. But all of our citizens owe it to their elected officials to let them know what they're thinking, too. There's no reason not to connect with them now. It's too easy with social media. You never know when you are making a difference either. You really know. You don't. You didn't realize you were making Mm -hmm. an impact on Mm -hmm. that young man. And I had the same thing. Uh, I was at lunch a year or two ago at a small restaurant and a young Hispanic man was waiting on me. And when we got ready to leave, we sat and sat and I finally said, I'm ready for my check. And he said, you don't have a check. And I said, why would I not have a check? And he said, I'm going to buy your lunch today. I said, you do not have to buy my Mm -hmm. lunch. Why would you buy my lunch? And he said, you came, my son was a second grader. And we could not get him interested in school, let alone interested in reading. And you came to North High Mount to his elementary school and read to his class and told him that you as mayor expected him to read every day, have his parents read to him or he read to them or read to his siblings and said, within... He came home and said, I have to read. We have to read. The mayor says, I have to read. Oh, And gosh. he said, my son is now a fourth grader, and he reads every single night. He reads to his siblings, and he reads to us, and he's gone from being a C student to an A student. Oh, my And he goodness. said, I can't do anything to help you, but I can buy your lunch. Oh. And those things just <gasps> touch your heart. That'll do it. And that's not why I read to them. I read because I think it's important that kids can sure. go back to their parents and say, the mayor of our city came to our school today. And the parents mm-hmm. will go, well, that's kind of neat. Maybe I need to find out who this person is. Yes. And, you know, her, his parents have been saying for years to read, but you said yeah. it and yeah, made the made difference. difference. Hey, <laughs> there's something parents Sometimes right there. Got, got a bigger bully pulpit than I you think. know. So you you took a little time off, and now you are running for Tarrant County Judge in 2022. So tell us how that's different. And first of all, I'm sure your husband Tom went what? <laughs> Wait, He's a very patient man. Wait, what? What? So so tell us about that. The timing was right. The timing was right. The county is going to lose. The county judge has been there 20 plus years. J.D. Johnson, who's one of the commissioners, has been there nearly 40 years. And J.D.'s retiring. Our county administrator is not announced he's retiring, but he's talking about it. And sometime in the next few years, he will. Mm -hmm. And our other two commissioners still have two and a half, three years left on their term, but they may very well retire. And I looked around and I thought, you know, I mentioned earlier, I just still had the fire. Mm -hmm. I just felt like this was a calling and that I was being called to serve again. But I looked around and thought somebody with some experience has to step up and run for this office. Plus, for all the women listening, mm. we've never had a, one, a female judge in Tarrant <gasps> County as uh, head of the court. Not yet, people. Court. Not yet. We're going to. Yes, we <clears throat> are. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had. <sighs> I just thought that this was a great thing. I mean, I loved county government when I was there as tax assessor. I think county government is the infrastructure that supports local government and really makes things run, and it's run by a series of elected officials as opposed to city council sets policy and city manager runs the day-to-day operations. Uh, At the county, most of the major 
uh, areas are run by an elected official, and the court kind of pulls that together and does the budget and the funding and runs public health and others. And I felt like there's a lot of room for improvement in public health. And coming out of this pandemic, there's a lot of things can be done. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work to be done with JPS, and they're making great strides. They have a huge bond election. County's going to do a bond election in November that'll be transportation, working with all the cities. And this is a huge growing region. And I love the regional work. So I just felt like I was called to come back. It was time. It was time. Timing was, is everything. And my husband said, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with you doing this. Oh, my gosh. Don't you love that? Yeah. Greg does that There's to me. There's a reason I've kept him all these years. <laughs> Over 40 years. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, and Greg is like that. He, When I started this business, Greg retires, sells Blackman Mooring, and he's ready to do his own. Everybody's like, you're going to start a new business? No. He is where he wants to be. Yeah, so is But Tom. I'm not finished. No. Tom still has his business. He's a state farm agent. And he's, you know, he's not as probably as aggressive in the sales side as he used to be. And right. someday he'll retire. But he still gets to go. He's a competitive shooter. He gets to shoot. And he goes out to, we have a small place west of Weatherford. He uh -huh. goes out there all the time. So he always says, if you don't demand I go with you everywhere, I'm perfectly fine with what you do and I'll oh, go when you need me. So great. So he shows up when I ask him to. Okay. And you're a clay shooter. Oh my goodness. I am a sporting clay shooter. <laughs> I yeah. have watched you before. <laughs> so fabulous. I mean, it's competitive. I'm comparative to my husband, I'm not very good, but compared to most non competitive women, non-professional women. I'm, Me. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I won the uh, Builders uh, Sporting Clay Women's Division just recently. Won oh, a my new stars. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I love that. Love, love that. Well, what are you going to do to change things when you're when you're elected next year in 2022, which we think the primaries is? We think the primary, right now the primary is tentatively set for March 1st. Okay. The reason it's tentatively set is because the uh, legislature has to finish redistricting before they can call the election. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they have to have it through the courts and approved their redistricting plan by November 15th to have a March 1st okay. primary. If they don't have it done by then, they'll move it back into probably April and May. Right. Um, and then the general is will be the following. General won't change. The general's November. That's right. a, a federal election date. Um I just think there's a lot of space for engagement at the county. There's a lot of room for improvement. I mean, I've got a proven track record of reducing taxes. We reduced the tax rate at the city, 12 cents, still delivering service. I know if your value goes up, your bill continues to go up, but not as much as it would have if we hadn't reduced the rate. Gotcha. I know the county's rate's fairly low anyway, but you always want to go. My 20 years of public service has been about keeping cities safe, keeping the county safe, making it more efficient, friendly, user, great economic development, and all of those things will continue. And I've always been a bit of the fix-it person. We fixed the tax office when, you know, I mentioned that we went from 38-minute wait when I took office mm -hmm. to down to when I left office, the average wait time was seven minutes. No way. And we had <gasps> reduced the staff and added 200,000 additional accounts and reduced the budget. Mm -mm. We've done the, the same thing at the city. We've improved service. We've improved efficiency. We lowered the tax rate. We kept our budget low. The county can do the same thing. Damn. And they can get, they can come forward and be the leaders in innovation and service to the citizens. Wow. Interesting. And you're going to do it. I am. I know you're going to do it. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, you know what? I want to tell you all how we met. So um, my 
in-laws, and we go to University Christian Church right at TCU, and uh, I met Betsy and her family many, many years ago, and she can tell you how at Christmas we would always sit in front of the Price family. Yeah, we always went to Christmas Eve service and the Sunday running up to Christmas and after for Boar's Head, Mm -hmm. our big Yule Log Festival. Yes. And the Blackmans would all sit in the pew across, uh, right in front of us, and the Prices all sat right behind them, and through the years we just watched, you know, marriages happen and children come in, and it was the same thing for y'all watching the Prices. It is. We've been doing this a long time. Long time. And we are, you know, still members and right. hoping to get back in there. Hoping but, to get back in church. But they're hanging in there. They're doing such a great job over yes, there. Yes, indeed just they are. So, I'm well, so proud of our faith-based uh, community and their the way they adapt it right. to this. Absolutely, because it's been tough. Yeah, I mean, n- none of our churches became super spreaders, which was a real, very real possibility early on. I know. And the populations of church, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just tough. It's, it's tough, tough, especially. But they've all been good about, you know, educating their, we could send messages. I had a faith-based cabinet that was made up of different uh, ministers and rabbis and mm-hmm. various people, and they were really good at helping to spread the message during COVID. I could, we couldn't have had the impact in this community that we had. That had is we not had so them. great. I mean, just having all all walks of life, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. to be involved. Because we don't know, I mean, about all walks mm-hmm. of life. And most people are touched at some point with a faith-based connection. And oftentimes yes. they're not engaged, as you said, with, mm-hmm. with uh, government. So you have to reach back out and let them help you with that. Absolutely. And your staff is incredible. They're pretty darn good. I know. I know. I know. Okay. I cannot thank you enough for educating myself and these followers and listeners. And we support you 100% on this new election. If there's anything I can do. We're there for you. You can help spread the word and we get a little closer. We we certainly Thank will. you for having me. It's oh, been gosh. great. Now we can find you on Instagram and Facebook. Betsy for County Judge. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It's Betsy Price. Betsy for Price judge. for County Judge. So, and she's wearing her yellow today. Classic Price. yellow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And everyone, thank you so much for following along, listening. Now, listen, we're hoping you we can get up in that podcast world. Apple, Spotify. So if you would go and rate and review and, hey, subscribe, and you'll hear everything. And let us know what you want to hear. And follow me at Tiffany C. Blackman. And everyone have a fabulous day. And guess what? Keep being fabulous. Thank you.